Welcome to the last Rugby Bits podcast for the year. My name is Tala and I am with Sean and we are going to wrap up the second weekend of Champions of Heineken Champions Cup and Challenge Cup action and then just talk through some of our best memories from the rugby world in 2022. As I've said, I'm, I'm with Sean today and we're just really excited to, to, to talk about some of these things and yeah, just to wrap up the, the Rugby Bits um, podcast for the year as well. Sean, how are you doing? Hi, mate. I'm I'm great to you. I, um, yeah, it's it's been been a bit weird. Like, it's weird taking a break. Firstly, when there's rugby on, but uh, it's going to be awesome to think about the year and then uh, hopefully with Christmas and New Year's and then when when are we back again for the for the first for the round three of the Champions Cup? So we're going yeah. from Champions Cup to Champions Cup. Yeah, nice. that should be fun. I mean, unlike, well, except for last year, unlike most other um, Decembers for South African fans, there's a lot of rugby to look forward to. So we are also going to just chat quick, also quickly about the URC derbies that are going to be happening in the next two weekends. We start with our first phase, which is quite a simple one. I was just asking our loyal dirt trackers what their favorite rugby moments were for 2022. And... Um, I think I'll, I'll just go through some of the tweets and then I'll ask you, Sean. So, Rian Lowe and Belinda Glenn talked about um, some of the fashion um, that we've saw, seen from our rugby players this year. From Makazoli Mapimpi and his GQ cover, I, I'm not sure how, what to describe what he's wearing. A, a, a jacket with no shirt underneath and just a chain. I guess that's the style Mate, these days. The only, the only way to describe it, he, he's, he was dressed like MC Hammer. That was MC Hammer, like the shoulder, the, the shoulder um, like it almost looked like shoulder pads with like broad shoulders and then taped down, um, like buttoned down and tapered down and no shirt. That's MC Hammer stuff, surely. That is true. I think a little bit of MC Hammer, if it was a dark jacket, it could even be like Blade, I guess. Um, mm. From the 90s, that's, that's obviously one of the, the big superhero movies of that time. And then we turn to the other GQ um, cover um, boy that we had in rugby this year, which was Antoine Dupont and his famous or infamous um, yellow gown. I don't know if the if, if yellow gowns have been increased in purchase, they've been increased in yellow gown purchases in France after this um, GQ cover. But Antoine Dupont is probably the only rugby player that can kind of make this work. Jeez. Well, listen, out of any any nation that could make something bizarre like that work, it would be a French, the French nation. But uh, it's only fitting that the French, uh, a top French player does it as well. Because, I mean, the French came out with uh, their naked uh, calendar shoots. There was a Stade Francais, I think, that did it. There's mm. been lots of incredible stuff come out of, out of France rugby, and that's not only the rugby side, it's all the other stuff, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we'll probably see more and more of these things um, coming up to the World Cup as well. And then um, Rian also tweeted a picture of um, the All Blacks, I don't even know what to call it, that, <laughs> that shirt and pants combo from Replay. And I've had, if people follow me on Twitter, I've had a lot to say about this um, this uh, shirt and, 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 and pants combo. It makes them look like mechanics. And Rian those tweets that, also, just like in matches, Ardy's making the biggest effort in the losing cause in that picture because it's Ardy, Satrutu, and, and Akira Ioane, and Ardy's probably the only one that can 
kind of make it stylish. Sean, I don't know why the All Blacks are trying to dress like um, Brakpan mechanics, but yeah, it's not working for them. And that's probably one of the reasons they need to look at for their rugby going down this year. Well, yeah, if if they're going to be looking for excuses, that could most certainly be be in in the list. But yeah, very interesting shocker, actually. Like it's very, I suppose it's a great way of of like just really it kind of puts the cherry on the top for what's happened in, in New Zealand rugby recently. It's like that would never normally happen. Like no mm. one would ever make such a bad error that that would 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 come out or be a thing um and it just shows you know t- totally i'm totally reading too deep into it but it, it just shows how <laughs> like things have just gone just gone haywire you know like someone's like oh let's do this as well what what i suppose i suppose they're getting everything out the way in one in one sort of thing one season just get it all yeah. out done and dusted clean it up realize it was a mistake okay. and you can look back at that as the worst year ever as opposed to having a bad year then the following year do bad clothes or some cuck like that you know <laughs> yeah i think what's actually frustrating is that usually new zealand would even like with like formal engagements like you know those team dinners that um, teams have like after matches they usually wear like they usually wore like a sword or black blazer a suit look quite smart but now they're wearing this replay rubbish and I don't know if replays like the Mr. Price of New Zealand or what the what the brand situation there is, but it, yeah, it's it's just not a good look for them, unfortunately. And yeah, I think once the as it seems to be with any team, the Netflix or the Amazon documentary comes out about the Ian Foster era, they'll probably talk about this as well. This will definitely it'll probably have its own little segment altogether. <laughs> Then I think a, a very good memory brought up by Martin Prinsler, uh, uh, a very loyal dirt tracker, is that test in um, the test against the All Blacks in Bombella. And yeah, yes. I think that was probably, in terms of um, atmosphere for, for test matches in South Africa this year, that was probably the best. Slight second, I think, would be the Loftus test, the first test against Wales. At least those first five, 10 minutes and before the match and the anticipation for our first. Um, test match since after won the rugby world cup in 2019 it was epic yeah um really yeah it was good there were there were some incredible uh replies in there but it was great just hitting a little bit down memory lane um my one is a bit of a, a bit of an, an left field one I, I was trying to rack my brain i've been so busy with work i was trying to rack my brain with what to think of and the one thing that i did think about that did did I did find relatively amusing and was quite cool. Remember when Quade Cooper, like he was, he was with the Wallabies and then I can't remember if it was this year, but then he was in the U S and he was like, Oh, is this, is his Japanese contract going to be canceled or is he out of it or whatever? But he was in the U S he was training with the Giltinis and then he was training with someone else. And all of a sudden, like all the news was coming out that he's moving to the MLR and everything. In the meantime, He's just like leveraging a few relationships and taking a holiday in the US, and uh, he's going to go train with a bunch of uh, a bunch of pros. So, I mean, that's pretty that's pretty epic levels of awesomeness if you can just cruise in still as a player and just go and train with with other guys. I know other teams do it. Like we've had a couple of guys train with the Stormers when they've been down on holiday, but uh, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's 
the, that increasing, I don't know what you want to call it, like Little Australia that's happening there at, at LA is you know, becoming a bit of a problem, actually, for the, for the United States. Like, well, so much of a problem, they've, they've been them. They, they're out. That's also they're, true. That was, that's, <laughs> yeah, and happening no more. Yeah, they've, they've just decided, look, we can't have Gitto and Ashley Cooper and all their friends coming over from, from, from Australia. I think my memory is kind of linked to the gif that um, we shared for the tweet there. And it's all this Springbok adverts um, that have happened this year. So I don't know if it's because the box are world champions or maybe they're especially um, marketable this season than they would be in previous seasons. But, you know, I've really loved some of the adverts that have been happening on South African television for the Springboks. The thirsty ad where they're all playing the orchestra and Mapimpi has the cymbals there. <laughs> I think that my favorite one is the Faftaklak um budget insurance ad where no, he's just I walking around in a speedo and <laughs> crashing the car and whatever. It's I think it's probably the most well done of the whole Faftaklak speedo um like I don't know, uh craze yeah, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. So they brought I think it, it back was really though. funny. They- yeah, yeah, they brought they brought it back. That was a 2019 World Cup moment, and they've brought it back. And mm. I tell you, one advert that I thoroughly enjoy is that uh, no, you know, some markets is going to be upset with me because I can't even remember the brand. But it was it probably was Vodacom. It it was when the doctor went down when the guy's streaming the game and they're jumping in the lineout, and um, and then yeah. he start he starts buffering and everyone has to hold their pose. <laughs> that was. That for me was one of the best. Like that was so well done. Like the guys are the props are busy holding up Ibn or something, and you can see the shakes. The Elvis is starting to come in because the body can't handle it anymore. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it'll be it's so it's so effective as an advert that it was actually um, Vodacom's rivals MTN that did that advert. So free advert advertisement for Vodacom. Ah. <laughs> And yeah, maybe, I think maybe maybe uh, they they subtly were were saying that Vodacom was always crashing. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Yeah, no, of I, I think it, it's good. From I think it's good that the Springboks are actually showing their personalities and yeah, showing their their comedic chops there. I'm hoping that there'll be some nice rugby world cup themed adverts as well all, all over the world. I'm sure there's always one or two that Nike, I mean Adidas has with with um, the All Blacks and. Yeah, we'll see how, how it goes next year. I have, year a, as I have well. a question. I have a question mm. for you. Which is the best Springbok pre World Cup ad you've ever seen? Putting a little, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if you can think of one. I'm just trying to rack my brain quickly. So I can't remember I, them all, but there was one that always stood out for me. And if I'm not mistaken, it was ahead of 2007. It's when they animated, they animated all the players. Um, into what looked like incredible hulks, and John Smith was 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 oh, the yeah. Hulk. Remember, they were were, were jumping yeah. up, and and uh, I think that was um, can't remember what it was. I might have, I don't know what brand it was, but remember the animated. It what that for me mm. always always hit. I loved it. Yeah, no, I I do remember that it was it was that two thousand seven uh, time. I think there was also one where they, I think it was 2011, where they did the whole, like, or was it 2015? But they did the whole pictures of people in the numbers. Like, yes. there were pictures of different fans, and they were, like, made up the number. 
and yeah that was quite cool and like it's i mean obviously it's an easy win for an advert advertiser or a sponsor just to be like look Spring box it's World Cup time brings the whole country together and then yeah, yeah. It, it, it did get the the peers going so I, I do like those sort of adverts so i'm sure we'll see that that sort of stuff coming up next year um yeah i i know the new zealanders just thinking about it now and we're talking you're talking earlier about their weird era in they've had a few weird adverts in the last few years because they've been sponsored by aig in japan so they've had obviously a few adverts in japanese tv but also by ultra i mean that well the now disgraced company of um, Muhammad ultra but yeah that's a story yeah. for another day and the issues that world rugby is about to have with uh, bernard laporte but yeah they i don't know they just do these adverts where they just doing like random things and i guess yeah there's <laughs> I, I don't know maybe that's the, that's part of the point of like just they, they this, this this has been a weird era for them you're probably right to yeah, in the last year alone yeah let's go and yeah how ian foster is one of the surviving coaches even though two of the coaches have been fine but yeah let's go <laughs> on to some champions cup rugby so we're going to focus mostly on the south african champions cup teams um just a very quick going through the results. Sharks won 16, 19 points to 16 against Bordeaux. In Bordeaux, Leicester thrashed Gloucester by 50 points. Edinburgh getting the win over Castro by 31 points to 20. Exeter also beat the Bulls by 30 points. Saracens in an entertaining game beat Lyon um, away from home. Leicester Tigers got their first win against Clermont um, in, the champ- in the competition. Stormers beat London Irish 34 points to 14. Larishal beating Ulster, 36-29. Ospreys beating Montpellier. That's a big result. Toulouse also crashes there. Munster Munster, um, beating Northampton or going through a bit of a rough patch. And Harlequins beating Racing in the rain. They start with the Bordeaux and Sharks game on Friday night. Yeah, it seemed like a bit of an arm wrestle. Yes, it wasn't Bordeaux's all of its big guns, but... I think the Sharks, we can say that the Sharks did really well to outlast them and to get the victory at the end. Yeah, I think, you know, probably a couple, couple talking points in that was um, was the Vanacock yellow card for his uh, WWF suplex. Um, I saw a couple of guys calling for red cards, but I don't think it was a red card. I think it looked a hell of a lot worse than it was, but by the letter of the law, the way he landed was, um, was yellow cardable. And rightfully so. Um, they have, interestingly enough, been a couple of those sort of maneuvers done. So I'm glad it's been highlighted. Hopefully we can do something about getting rid of it. But yeah, I thought the Sharks, I, th- I thought the nature of their win, um, specifically about where they're coming out of the last sort of year, what's happened with uh, uh, with Sean Everett and... Um, and Neil Powell and the coaching shakeup, the players coming in, the Springboks coming in, and and everything. I thought the the nature of their win was amazing. Um, a few of the Sharks players will know what it's like to play in France uh, for club sides in France. What home and away r- uh, results are like. Um, Nick Mallet highlighted it really well in that, like if you're an away team, the guys have kind of they kind of just give it up. It doesn't really matter. It's about being a fortress at home and. The Sharks, South Africans going into the competition, going to play now, we bring a different vibe. Um, the Stormers played away and, and lost, but they gave it a good go. Um, Clement got a bit of a scare. 
and the Sharks went away and won. And I thought the way they put it together was really well. I thought Bosch was pretty handy, especially in the opening in the opening um, half um, of the game. It was pretty tight, Bosch with the drop kick. There were a couple of things that didn't go the Sharks' way, but they, they managed to stay in there and thereabouts. And then also Bleuler, um had to come on early in the first half, and um, he pretty much stayed on the rest. He stayed on for the rest of the game. Had a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent knock because um, Chunu had to had to go off for a concussion. So, all in all, a great result for the Sharks. Um, they're going to use that momentum. They most certainly will know the the enormity of that win and what it means for them. Two wins from two for the Sharks, so they're all but guaranteed a playoff and allow them to to change things up in the next uh, in the next two rounds if need be. Um, just a quick shout to Madosh Tambwe. I thought he had a flipping outstanding game. Uh, he was flipping busy, always in and there, there and thereabouts trying to create something. But the Sharks did well enough to nullify his attack and most of the Bordeaux's attack um, and defended relatively well and bagged a vital, vital win. Yeah, I think it's it's a good um it's a good start to the Neil Powell era. Just getting those two wins, putting themselves in a place where they probably are qualifying now for the last sixteen, and yeah, a good opportunity for them to also get a home knockout game as well. And yeah, I think it's also good. Uh, it see we can see how the big um players are stepping up in the teams. The likes of um, Vincent Chutuka are playing really well. Um, Siakolisi had a you know just Big barnstorming run uh, again. The game as again, well. look. Oh, yeah. and look, Kanye's back. Look, Kanye's back. Yeah. <laughs> the best player in the world is also being added to your team. Makes it also just amazing right now. So I think those big players are making such a big impact in the team, and they're yeah, just bringing a bit of um, uh, structure and solidity. The question, the big question, must be though, Sean. I mean. They'll probably a lot of those players will probably be rested for now these um ERC um, um derbies now at the end of the year and of course we'll, we know that they're going to be forced to rest um in February for the other ERC derbies. Can the Sharks keep up the momentum once the it's a bit and the Colises are not in the team? I tell you, we, we we it's an interesting time ahead because just there's so many different things happening in South African rugby like. The Sharks are going for the the top down approach um, by really performing well with the with the with the Springboks in the side, and they're hoping that'll filter down. The Stormers have gone for the bottom up approach um, over the last two years, where they they've named like uh, they've done things in teamwork and and built it built everything up. Um, the the Bulls are, are have a very interesting approach in that they're just basically flooding and having a massive massive squad. So they have two teams. Gonna, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's and that's a plan that we are like people are having a go at Jack White and I know Jack White's quite outspoken, but we're gonna see what Jack White's creating now, we'll see next year. Um I think it'll be that soon already, where he's gonna create teams uh, that are that are that are going to sort of be able to play and he's gonna be doing this probably next year and the year after, but there's just gonna be new guys coming through and he's gonna start a little bit of a conveyor belt. But the Supersport really highlighted a few very important things, and it was around the the Springboks having to be rested and stuff like that. And how do you balance that? How do the Stormers and the Sharks balance it? Because it's very clear Jake White's balancing it at the moment, and the Stormers and Sharks are going to have to balance things later. And one can only hope that they have planned for it, 
or um, what they're doing is the idea is just go hard as much as fast as possible and then just hope that we hang on at the end where the bulls are looking for a little bit more longevity. It looks like they're, they're looking like they're going to strategically play guys when it matters. Jack White says that they're not going to win the Heineken Cup and all that sort of stuff. He is totally after that trophy. He's 100% after that. The, this whole idea that he just wants to be competitive and it's going to be a place for him only to um, to blood players. Firstly, we'll, we'll, I'd hate that the Champions Cup to be that. Um, and it's currently becoming that for, for Gloucester and Bulls at the moment. But, um, you know, he's he's totally going to have an eye to to challenge things. He will have picked uh he's saving his guys for the the round of 16 but as everyone has rightfully said you've got to just perform in the urc and um you need to be guaranteed into the champions cup and you'll you'll get the monies involved for that and if you win it you'll get more so we are in for some interesting times we we have so many derbies we have had so many derbies and we have a lot going on but i think south africans as a whole our derbies aren't that important. I think collectively URC um, uh, uh, winning is is better. So when we're taking points off each other, there's a little bit of a little bit in it. Um, we're competing for Springbok spots and stuff, but it's not going to be like a derby, like the Interpros in Ireland and 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 you know Independence Day in Wales uh, when they when they play all the games in one venue and have it on one day and stuff like that. So. It's um, we're in for some interesting times, but we have a very, very clear view into three different ways of looking at the competitions, both of them, the URC and the Champions Cup, and how to use players. So it's going to be fun to see what happens. Yeah, indeed. And I think we can actually move that conversation out to the Bulls. And as Sean has just discussed, the Bulls having their strategy of um, playing almost two different teams. Um, for the Champions Cup at the moment and the URC. They've managed to, obviously they won last week against Leon, and they've now, they lost now to Exeter. Winning at Sandy Park is probably a tough, a tough assignment for any team, even if they're first choice team playing, but yeah, obviously close to impossible with some of the youngsters that the Bulls played. And Sean, I think let's, you know, I mean, it's quite obvious that Exeter was obviously a better team and they just, yeah, there's just a def- there's definitely a difference in quality between the two teams on Saturday. But let's focus on the youngsters at the Bulls. I mean, there's quite a few that played the last two weeks and probably impressed um, some people that aren't so familiar with them. I, um, I don't know if you have one that you want to pick out, but at least from my side, Miller Ace, the, the, the flank. Yeah, he looks like a nice, robust type of flank that, you know, obviously we've lost Marcel Kutsia. Um, recently um, going to Japan for the season. I think, you know, Safkin will always produce these, this, like this um, type of um, uh, flank at all time that's like just about 1.9 meters tall and 110 kilograms and can just, you know, run through brick walls. And Miller Ace just seems to be part of that tradition as well. So I like him. And yeah, I think he, has, he didn't have a lot of chances in the game, but Mongino Novoko at the wing also looks like a good talent that, that can finish well. I mean, he's come up through like uh, the, the, the Vosti Shield competition playing for UKZN, and he's really impressing at this level, which is, I think, just in a greater context, it's a good story, and hopefully Samia can inspire even the players at Vosti Shield level that you can play for you know, the, the, the URC teams at some stage. 
Yeah, he's he's great. I didn't know he was at UKZN, so that's that's pretty awesome. And he's cooking. You know, that's the one thing though is is Jake White, like he he's got a very very good eye for talent. I mean, every coach probably has that one player that they've pulled out of nowhere and made a star, and also had that one player that they've overlooked and has become a star elsewhere. I think that's just the nature of of when you're coaching with when you have personalities, you know, it's just the way it is. But Jake White more often than not gets um really, really gets a lot out of his players. And they took a beating at Saney Park. There's no doubt about it. They 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 looked the the score line represents how the game went. Um but he's bringing players in there that once you start putting them in, if there's an injury somewhere, let's say the Bulls are playing in the semifinal of the Champions Cup or the URC or whatever, and you have an injury on the wing and you bring in Novuka, if you have an injury at nine, you bring in Funda Linda, if you have an injury in, in, in the Lucy's and you bring in Ace, you're not really going to be worried about it. Like you're going to, you, you've got, he, he's building a squad and he's building a squad the same way that everyone was hating the way the Springboks were building. They're like, oh, we're just handing out caps, we're doing this and that and why aren't we playing so-and-so? And you, the Springboks are reaping the rewards at the moment. You know, we, the Bulls, when you go through that side, like the players, every one of those players in, in the match day 23 from the round one and round two have had, have added a bit of value somewhere along the line in the last, in the last two games. And there's a lot of youngsters there. There are a lot of guys coming back. Um, there's like someone like, um, Van Royen, uh, I, I mean, he was at the Lions for a while and, he would just seem to be like a professional rugby player that was just going through the motions, but he's putting his hand up. He's doing a bloody good job at the moment for the Bulls. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on there, and it's it's exciting. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having this front row. So that's Van Roy and Smith and Bismarck Duplessis as like almost like a bench front row that comes on um, in the second half of like our big either URC or Champions Cup games in the future. So. I mean, that's a lot of experience and still a lot of quality. And that's a, a point of weakness, the Bulls front row, unfortunately. So it is, I think, a good option to bring them on to show up the, 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 the pack at the end of, an, of, a, of a game and, yeah, that they can show their ability and their, their talent that they still have. Um, two quick things. Um, Bismarck Duplessis had a really interesting interview uh, at The Guardian, uh, with The Guardian um, before this game this week, just talking about you know, his perspective on life and rugby and obviously losing um, his nephew um, with um, Yanni Duplessis' child passing um, earlier this year. And yeah, he's, he's looking to, uh, forward to coaching. He might be a coach at the Bulls after this season as well. And that's <laughs> very interesting and very scary for those, for those young men that are going to be coached by Bismarck. And then, um, Sean, just quickly, I want to hear what your thoughts on Wandi Similani at fullback. Um, I wasn't, I was skeptical but I think it's kind of starting to, starting to come together. I mean, some of the attacking stuff is great, and you can see, obviously, the, you know, his ability in space. And, yeah, there's still some way to go, but it's starting to maybe make sense. And, yeah, Jake, obviously, is, is a person that has an eye for these things of seeing a player play in one position and converting him to another position. Yeah. I don't think anyone has ever, even since school days, when when I watched him play, um, has ever doubted his attacking ability. And um, I think that's the one place uh, in his game that is that is 
excellent and has the potential to be world class. It's the 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 game management and everything else around there that um, that was probably the reason for for the for the move, or um, alternatively was to um, allow him to have more space um, because on the wing he's got great he's got great attacking ability on the wing, but maybe you don't get enough ball at fifteen. You 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 are able to really kind of pick and choose your moments um, and defensively at 15 it's a positioning thing and um they come at you don't come at you as fast as at 13 so might be an opportunity for him to grow and learn i i still would like to see him at 13 somewhere along the line i i know that's his preferred position but we 13 is and we speak about it ad nauseum is is how it's so important that 13 your defensive you 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 spend so much time doing a lot there and it's a lot of unseen work so the fact that he's a 13 at heart, um, hopefully he'll move back in and at least be an option there for the Bulls. And I'm sure he will be. Um, but maybe that's just a way of having him available um, and playing. But I was very skeptical. Uh, I didn't think it was the best shot. Um, but it is coming through slowly but surely. But 15 is probably, and as an outside back, is right, right after 13 in terms of the importance and you'll get found out very quickly. Um, the, those two positions at, um, at 13, at 15, you'll get found out very, very, very quickly if you are not in the right position, if you don't have an understanding of what's going on defensively. And you can absolutely destroy try-scoring opportunities at both those positions on attack. So it's an important position. I think we, everyone is really just hell-bent on him being a Bok 13 um, he played 13 through school, played a little bit on the wing, if I'm not mistaken. And we've seen him play on the wing and at 13 and at 15. And I think everyone was just like, right, this is where we're going. We've all been dying for a 13. We finally got one in Lukanya arms. So I think everyone's a little bit more comfortable with the the option of him playing at 15. So it'll come. I don't ever think Jake will, Jake White will ever do anything to make people happy or just for the sake of it. Uh, he very clearly has a plan there. Um, whether it's a permanent move plan or whether it's a growth part in his game plan and then for him to move back to 13, um, I'm, I'm not sure. Only time will tell, but I don't think it's been a failure. And I think there's absolutely work-ons that are happening and we'll see probably him as a player grow slowly but surely um, and make less and less errors and be a little bit more comfortable whether he's playing at 15 or 13 we'll, we'll start seeing that probably grow from from now you know like we're seeing we're seeing at the moment we'll probably just carry on carry on moving in the right direction yeah and i think it'll be one of those things we'll maybe see the benefits of in of post 2023 um, let's move on to the Stormers and their victory over London Irish, 34 points to 14. A very entertaining game. I think two teams with a similar, uh, you know, like philosophy in terms of being attacking and taking their chances and letting the, their ball players express themselves. Um, and yeah, just a great, I mean, first of all, just a fantastic match from Hachiba Daimani. I think, you, you know, we've seen, I mean, he's been such a different player. Um, in this year since he came to the Stormers and it's just been a utilization of his talents and you know not you know being in a team that's winning and, and we're just seeing him at his best right now like and the bit in the way that he took that um that try in the first half or sorry in the second half um, from that Leland's us um, up and under was just amazing 
you know, um, Sean, I think Daimani is, yeah, like he's such a dynamite player almost for the, for the Stormers because he has that ability to, you know, become that almost like an extra backline player. I think, I mean, that's been said about him a lot, but he just has a game-breaking ability and he's also married that up with, you know, Kraft that, you know, is able to do the, the, the dog work and, and defense or in ruts in order to, to get their, their team those big wins. He, he's a talent. Like, <laughs> he is an incredible player. He's highly skillful and he's obviously, he's quick. We can all see it. But uh, his, his rugby IQ is up there and, and his skills are up there and everything else is up there. He's, he's a great option. And I really hope he gets capped. I really, really do. I think he is that good. Um, however, we, he, he's really, 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 really good in, in a, a loose trio or in a space where you could play a loose trio where South Africans, in, in the words of, of Cooks, is you kick a tree and, and about three loose forwards will fall out. So it's, um, it's really hard for him. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him get higher honors um, and take it further because he has been cooking. He has been one of the guys that has been the glue in the spring uh, in the in the Stormers um, uh, pack for a while. He's constantly performing. He's he's just he wows. The thing about him though is he wows you every week with something. Something happens and he wows you. He can play at eight. He can play on the side of the scrum. It doesn't really matter. And I tell you, interesting. I was very very fortunate um, a, a good while ago to do a little bit of work with the Lions um, and. Uh, I was chatting to Cash. Um, it was actually when um, when Ackerman was still coaching. Then he was coaching the SAA side, and uh, I, I was chatting with Cash Van Royen, who's now their head coach, um, just about like the team and and all that sort of stuff. And he was telling me about Hachiva and what a talent he is. And a Cash played sevens. Um, he was more of a sevens player than a fifteens player. And he said to me straight up that. Achiva Daimani played sevens, he'd be one of the best sevens players out. And he also said, if we can just get him to play 15, <laughs> he will he will set the world on fire. Um, so <laughs> which was quite interesting. And uh I know that he was often moved uh into the back line in emergencies, and it was a big no-no. He didn't want to play it, he wanted to play loose forward and and he stuck it out and uh, he ba- basically said like, this is where I'm playing. Like, if you're not going to, I'm not going to play at 15. If you're not going to play me in the loose trio, like I'd rather bench or not play. So he was pretty adamant about it. Um, pretty an exceptionally talented player. And, and we're seeing it now, like we're seeing what, what he has and how he can incorporate that backline speed and ideas and moves with, with everything that he brings uh, as an eighth man or a flanker. So He's flipping talented. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for, for him to get a, a call up. Um, how, is he going to be able to force his way into the Springbok team as a permanent? I don't know. But um, we're in a position now where we're able to, to incorporate players and see how they do, see how they perform. We are also in the position where we're starting to experiment in the Springbok side with different style players. So we more of a horses for courses team. Um, we've got our foundation and bread and butter um, if we ever need it and we are able to work guys around. So 
I don't think him. I don't think a call up for him is a is is a no no. I think there is opportunity to do it, and uh, I can't wait. So what a talent, man! What a talent. Yeah, and then the other thing that I picked up from the game is, I mean, last week we did, I think, give flowers to Herschel Yankees, and like, it seems like he's coming back into form um, for the Stormers. But the Stormers team plays at another speed when Paul Devet is on the field, and. I don't know if it's just an accuracy in his passing or just his decision making is a bit more quicker than 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 other scrum offs are, but he's just been he's just a spot plug for them. He really gets the gets the attack going. Oh, I'm a big fan. I and I agree with you totally. Um I, I will say though, Herschel Yanchis is coming back into form. So I I don't know if if what he's doing is uh, it's just those baby steps, like sewing things down, the baby steps to just tick boxes and, and get things going. And then we'll see more of him. But Devet is a different player. Like they are, they are two different nines out of a different mold. And um, I think, uh, I really think Devet is probably the best option at nine. And I thought so last year as well. Um Having said that, though, DeVette was injured when, when the Stormers went on to go and win and did went on their massive run and, and Herschel Yanchis was playing. So it's a bit of a weird one to try and justify in, in, that, in that manner. But Paul DeVette is a, is a faster and a, and a quicker player, but I don't know, like I said, is, is it Herschel Yanchis just really slowing things down so he can get himself back into form, like doing the basics and sorting, sorting that stuff out? Or is that what um, what we are, can expect from Herschel Yankees? But we need both of them in form. I, I'm very much one that I, if I could have every single player in South Africa on form knocking on the door for this for for a Springbok uh, call up or recall, I'd be happy. You know, rather let the coaches make the tough tough decisions. So yeah, but um, also it seems Dobbo seems now that he's able to balance them out a little bit better. And the best part about having Yanchis back into form is you can decide who you want to start. You can actually, it's great when you've got two nines or three nines that are all on form, um, but specifically two nines, because then you can just start dovetailing, you know, you start, you bench, and then you sort of swap them around. So we're in, we're in for good stuff, but I really want to see Paul DeVette um, hold his form and his fitness and I want to see him work like this for the rest of the season because that'll actually cause another little Springbok call-up headache later because he he really, for me, is probably one of the best nines last year. Um, so if he keeps it up this year, he could really be knocking on that door. Yeah. And, yeah, also just a quick shout-out to um, Ben Loder. Um, he's the fullback for London Irish, and he just had insane attacking numbers under that game. Uh, just to read them off quickly, 107 meters, 12 defenders beaten, uh, and two breaks um, generated as well. And yeah, Will Joseph also coming on for 34 meters and seven defenders beaten off the bench. Um, England, yeah, I mean, they have a new coach now, Stephen Borthwick, he's just been appointed. They, they, they definitely have talent that, that, he, can, that he can pick from, from the team there. Um, yeah. Oh, Incredible sure. loader, loader's class, loader's class. I've I've watched mm. him play a couple of times. Um, he, he he's been caught out a little bit youngster, but he's definitely he's definitely got the goods. Um, can I just can I just say like Angela Davids? Can, how how absolutely Ooh. badass and mean is his 
mindset when it comes to contact with players. Like he's a guy who's got phenomenal feet um, and he, he did step you in a phone booth. I mean, I'd dislocate an ankle if he, if he did that. But the irony is he, he often, he's, he, the thing is, is you're on your back, you're on your toes trying to, trying yeah. to wait for him to step you. And then he decides, well, hang on a second. I, let me show you something else. I'm absolutely going to monster you. And he just flattens guys. Like he's got, I just, I want to see him mix it up a little bit more because I think he's starting to, I think he's starting to like that, like that, that bouncing people, you know, that's like a good ego boost. Um, but um, I, I think if people start setting up for him, they, they probably will, will start driving him backwards because I mean, you can, you can come in as hard as you want, but if you also are not as, as big as everyone else, if, if you get it slightly wrong, you'll get monstered. It's, when he monsters you, you've got to, you've got to be caught unawares that makes it look even worse. But Flippy's a powerful man. I think he was just trying to show young Ollie Hassel Collins, um, you know, the ropes there. I don't know if he's who isn't. Maybe he's, he's not small, eh? Hassel Collins is not small. Maybe he's more of a Murley or a Radwan fan, or he's trying to he's trying to just tip the scales for that England wing debate and just saying no, this Hassel Collins guy don't look here, look at the others. Maybe he's just a big fan. <laughs> He's making and breaking careers for other people purely on preference. <laughs> Love it. Love it. It must be the only reason. Sean, let's wrap up um, because, yeah, unfortunately with, you know, the uh, load shedding situations, we probably have to start getting to the end of this. Let's wrap up with um, just a quick segment on our favorite players that we've either you know discovered or watched for the first time or gained a new appreciation of um in 2022 so i think there's some obvious candidates here someone like Ange Capuoto obviously came onto the scene this year and he's been amazing um, for both Toulouse and for Italy um you can have someone like Mac Hansen who's also you know you know like broken through or Harry Arundel someone that i'd like to put forward um First is um, uh, Juan Martin Gonzalez. Um, oh, that was, my, that was mine. <laughs> is it? Oh, no, then Sean, go, go for it. I think you can. No, no, no. No. About it. no, no, no. I was just going to mention him, but you're totally going to talk mm. about him. So you go for it. <laughs> no, I, look, Argentinian loose forwards are always near the top of my favorite type of rugby players. And he's just an amazing, almost like a. Uh, 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 an evolution um, from um, Pablo Matera. He's just he adds, he does what Matera does, but he also just adds just amazing ball carrying ability as well. You know, he's just tireless. He gets his support lines are amazing. He's everywhere. You know, during uh, on the field during a rugby game, and we saw what he did to poor Veli Larue and his ankles in that test in Durban. Like <laughs> his ability and space is just crazy, and like he's. You know, flankers are now hanging out on the wing, you know, and attacking um, plays and are able to go one-on-one with, um, you know, opponents' wings. And, yeah, he's dangerous over there. And, you know, he's just one of those players that can almost multiply himself at at any moment and be the first one making a tackle and also be the the player supporting for for a counterattack as well. So he's just amazing. And I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of him. London Irish has just become probably one of my new favorite teams now just realizing that they have you know him joseph arendelle in his fit uh, ben loaders in that team 
uh, Gostin Creve is in there. I think that's definitely a team of, of, of favorite rugby players there. Yeah. I um, I tell you, London Irish are great. Like I've quite a bit of history with them in that um, I uh, when um, oh, Seb's uh, Jeb Sinclair Seb, when Jeb Sinclair was down at the Stormers, Jeb uh, the Canadian uh, sort of blindside flankers stroke lock. Um, he spent a lot of time. He came from the Exiles and he went back. He spent a lot of time there, so I watched them quite a bit during that time. They yo-yoed a bit in the premiership. Um, they've had a couple of really awesome guys. A lot of guys have started their careers there and, and moved on. Um, I, uh, but they're, they're always great. They're always good value. Like they're often just a, t- a team that's made up of, of of a whole bunch of players working together. My three players, <laughs> three players, and I well, I, I did have Gonzalez, but the three players that I that I quite like. One is one is a new guy, and all my guys are South African. One um, is uh, now for the life of me, I'm hitting a miss here. Uh, outside centre for the Lions. Oh, Tyler. Henko van Veik. Henko van Veik. I've dropped the ball. Henko, it's his first major season of being noticed, and I, I love him. I think he's a, a talent. I think he could operate on the wing or at outside centre. So in that in that factor in that space alone he's probably a good shot for the spring box but he's he's a he's a talent and uh and he's he's my youngster that i i, I like watching and my two others one is a is a season old a multi-season player but a, a season old player in terms of form but is is manny lebock i since last year and this year manny lebock has basically given everyone the middle finger and he's just uh he he finally he finally gets to stand up and say, I, I always believed in myself and this is what I wanted. And he's working harder and harder and harder and I'm loving it. I'm loving where he is. I'm loving where his rugby is and I'm loving that he's getting recognition for it. I think, uh, I think we've got lots more to see. And the other person is an old hat, but someone that has been performing probably not in this form. I think it's in his best form of his life. I think he probably wasn't in this form in 2019. I think this is the best form of his life. Someone's been there and thereabouts, but probably not getting the love he deserves. But Franz Malhaber, he's, I'm loving watching him. Loving it. Uh, I, I, he's getting through a mountain of work. He's really in great form at the moment. So those are my four players, but my, my three extras. <laughs> no, I think that's good. I think you can probably make a case for most of the Stormers. Um, yeah. We mentioned now Hachiba Daimani almost becoming a new player in the Stormer setup. You can say the same about Junior Pacomela as well. You've talked about Mani Lebok. There's almost been, I don't know if it's a new player in Damien Willemsa, but obviously he's improved a ton um, in the last season or so. Another one that I'm also starting to warm towards, um, even though at the start, I, I was skeptical at the start, is Dion Ferry and just his ability. He's, you know, he's becoming almost annoyingly because you know I, I didn't think this would be the case but he's just a game changer and he's able to do those he's able to just you know impact the game and to make those turnovers and to not give away penalties because he was a bit more of a penalty generating merchant when he was in in, in in the stormers for the first time but now he's really refined that game a lot as well and then internationally a few other players just to i just want to mention was Nick Tompkins, um, I think he's had probably his best season um, in international rugby this season. He was great for Wales. Um, 
in the Six Nations and in the Tour. He's just been brilliant for Saracens and he stood out um, in, in that team. He's, I know he's definitely a rugby bit's favourite and is someone that we talk about a lot here. Um, and then another one that I think has probably gone a little bit under the radar, but I think he's done really well um, and just changed his game a little bit, is Scott Barrett um, for the All Blacks. I think his ability to place, place six is is a is a small is a big sorry a big game changer but a subtle game changer for the All Blacks that they also have that bigger six that that can um, play yes the Peter Stiffs and the Courtney Laws and those sort of players and and and, and play well against them so I'm looking forward to seeing how he does um, twenty twenty three as well. Josh Fanafleer. Hmm. He that's a he, great he's someone. He's someone that deserves a shout because he's been, he really, like in the last three seasons, I've just seen him just elevate his game each year. And at, at some points there were periods of five, six, seven games where he just got better and better each game. He, he, basically, he basically looked at Sia Kulisi and said, I want to do what that guy does and just grew his game week on week on week. Um, yeah, Fun of Fleer is uh, is is someone that I I think I don't think Ireland would be where they are now if it wasn't for um if it wasn't for him and his form at the moment. Can I just tell you? Um, I'm just on my Twitter now. November 14, 2021. This random Twitter account called at Talam Sutu 77 tweets Chris Kluter better than Josh Van der Fleer. So. Well. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, I, I I'm a big fan of Chris Clutty. I um, but I must I must declare that uh, I played with him at Hammies, so um, <laughs> I have a little bit of a, a little bit of history, maybe a little bit of bias. But Chris is incredible. The only the only thing is is we don't get to see a lot of Chris Clutty play rugby a lot because the beating, the absolute thumping and beating he puts his body through just means that he, he spends a fair bit bit more time injured or um, maybe being rested than, than we'd like, but he will be coming back for Bath and we will see it. Uh, we will see him performing at Bath again. So, um, so yeah, but that was an interesting shot. I, I must say that would have been at that time, it would have been very interesting for me um, if we had had that discussion, because I, I always thought Josh Van der was going to, be where he is now maybe not this good but i thought that he was test level comfortably test level class um and at that time it would be very interesting because uh, of my allegiances to 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 chris but it would have been an interesting debate had i seen that tweet back in the day to that <laughs> random that random account who might be talking to me <laughs> yeah i'll just blame jared he definitely took over my twitter account and that just made me yeah just underrate another length to play as he as he usually does. I think that's also one of my big lessons for twenty twenty two. If a player plays for Leinster, he's probably a good test player. Like I'll just accept that from now on. I'm going to throw a spanner in the works and I must apologize. We must we must all apologize for not mentioning this player. But if there's someone that is a player that I enjoy watching that I think has been standout, that has made this year his own, and that I think is going to be one of the greatest hookers forget that Ireland have ever seen is that South, uh, the world would have seen is Dan Sheehan. Ooh, that's a good one. 
there, there's, yeah. there's a talent. There's a talent there. That, that man, quite simply, if he was a Kiwi and he was playing for the All Blacks, they would be dominating everyone because I think their biggest hole is at hooker at the moment. And uh, I know Takiyaho is having a good game, but Dan Sheehan is, Jan, Dan Sheehan is a talent. He is a talent. He is he he's mobile. He's a big, big guy. He doesn't look like a hooker, which is scary because he does all the hooker stuff and he's got other abilities. He that, There's a guy that could be up there with being um, he's a future world player of the year. That's that's where I see him. I think he's I think he's going to I think he's going to set the world on fire. And he, the irony is he's already he's already making waves, but I think he's going to do a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I think one more just to round it off um, that we didn't mention is probably the person with the best nickname to come out of twenty twenty two from a certain context, Mister Finish and Claw himself, Kirkley Arlinson. Yes. Yeah, I think he's made a big impact in the 15s. Um, yeah, you, I, uh, I at least tend to underrate the the sevens players, or not underrate them, but think that their ceiling is limited in the 15s game because you know you can only do so much being so small. But I mean, yeah, the 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 power to weight ratio that he has, it's just crazy. Like his ability just to drive people that are almost two times bigger than him back meters is just amazing and we all know how good he is um with you know on his feet and with the ball in his hand as well he's just been such a great find this year he he's brilliant and uh, we've got to we must change our perception of the sevens environment if you take a look back at the the all black squads the world cup winning squads both of them if you take a look back at them and over that whole full period that the all blacks were dominating rugby you go look at those squads and see how many of them played sevens rugby for 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 New Zealand. You you will change your perception. It's they see it as um they see it as a as a pathway. We don't. We see sevens as a as a as a separate um, arm to rugby, and that and and that sevens is your ceiling. And uh, there are guys like Quacha Smith, um, Ches and Colby, um, who are. Who else? Um, Cornell Hendricks, guys that have that have gone there, and and, uh, and Warren Whiteley. There's another guy. Warren Whiteley was going to be probably the greatest sevens player the world has ever seen, um, and he was like, "I want to be a Springbok," and we all thought, "No, you couldn't do it." And he went on to become Springbok captain, and that was only stopped because of injury. You know, we've got talent, and those seven skills. Look at Vanacock. Look at Ruan now. Look at the skills they bring to the game. They work. They fight. They they rucking in spaces on the field where we've never seen those players in eleven and fourteen rucking in our life before. So um, we must never that the sevens pathway must be there forever and it must be looked after. It's it's basically a breeding ground for heaps of talent. Okay, so those are two lessons to take out of twenty twenty two. Trust Leinster and trust the blitz box. I think those will <laughs> don't, take, don't, those will take don't you trust. Far. Don't trust Tyler's tweets. <laughs> I think that's a general lesson for everyone. I don't even trust my tweets. <laughs> but yeah, Brilliant. I think we will wrap it up there. Thank you so much, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for an awesome year of Rugby Bits content. We are looking forward to coming back bigger and better than ever in 2023. And yeah, we will have, we'll have a lot of fun talking about the rugby coming up. Thanks. Bye-bye.